2: You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Happy Tuesday. Bill Ryder with you. We've got... I love being in New York City. We have got an incredible show lined up for you. I'm not sure how to rank the excellence that's going to unfurl for the next two hours. But I can tell you, number one, is that Thomas, Pretty Daddy, Muscles De Celestino, the executive producer will be taking his shirt off today during a segment to pay off a bet nearly a year old. Diesel, good morning. You look cut. You look fit. You look ready. I'm excited. There's somebody else hanging out in the studio, which doesn't usually happen, so there's witnesses. What's up, man? Uh, good morning, Bill. Morning. Happy
3: Tuesday to you. I appreciate all those lies about looking cut and swole. Look I'm going to need some self-confidence when uh, when that segment comes, when I take my shirt off.
2: I'm not going to say who it was, but I was ju- I, a colleague. I was, I was talking to a colleague this morning, and I said, man, I meant it. I, I said, you weren't around. I said, D-Cell looks really cut, really good. And the colleague goes, thank you. And I had to awkwardly be like, (laughs) I wasn't talking about you. But I love this self-confidence at CBS Sports Radio. People here just are feeling themselves. I love it, man. You do look good. I'm ready. I'm excited. We'll discuss the rules in in about 20 minutes with Andrew Bogish. Do we get to take photos? How long does it last? I'm going to let you set these parameters. I'm not going to take advantage. You're lucky I'm here. Because I would have screen grabbed that baby if I was back in L.A. Uh, My wife thinks I'm a con artist. And then I'm moving from restaurant to restaurant airport to airport scamming America she informed me of this yesterday and I'll let uh I'll let you Tom and and bogish and you dear listener decide whether I'm full of you know what uh, we're gonna visit with Joe Theismann, our buddy diesel gave him a new nickname I don't really like it and I'm just gonna go that on the air that was an aggressive nickname he came up with Tom
3: I got to go for it. I got to try. Me and you Joe look, are getting
2: tight. You guys are getting tight. Uh, the Lakers have made a trade that changes absolutely everything. Or, conversely, nothing at all. Rui Hachimura. It's, everything doesn't change. But we'll talk about it. There's nothing like false hope when you drape it in the purple and gold to give you some radio magic. Buy Yourself coming up. And if you want to call us, we want to hear from you. 855 212 CBS there were se- there were several calls yesterday D sound I don't want to bring it up yesterday because we're in a great we're in a great place felt like it was a good vibe I've returned to New York City where I used to work and live to discover a brand new coffee machine in the office that's amazing you me and bogish ended up having lunch which has never happened but I did sort of it's interesting coincidental that the, the day that I'm in studio where I can see the phone lines people called in not like a, a lesser person might think, you just don't screen the phone calls when no, I'm not around. No, no,
3: there's absolutely no correlation to be made there. It is absolutely a coincidence.
2: I agree. And yet, if you're listening, and you're thinking incorrectly, because he, but we always want your calls, but you're thinking this is the chance because writer's there. Sometimes I even just answer the phone myself. Eight five five two one two four CBS. We'll take your call, sports writer, sports T E R. I had a dream last night. This is, I, I swear to God, I had a dream last night when I was hanging out with Tom Brady and he was charming but wouldn't talk to me and he was walking down a hallway and in the dream as he turned right down the corner, it was some kind of weird real-life metaphor for Tom Brady. Was he going away to the bathroom or just walking into retirement? I didn't know. And then I woke up and I thought, that's weird. We're not going to talk Tom Brady today. And yet here we are because Tom Brady over on SiriusXM what is this thing? The, the Let's Go podcast? Let's Go. That's a good name. Um, and we'll, let you, we'll hear it in a second. Was I don't think he was grilled by Jim Gray. I think he was asked a very legitimate question. And the headlines today, the talk is going to be, where should Tom Brady go and what's the real fit? But I think that what, when I play this for you in about, in about 60 seconds and you hear the frustration in Tom Brady's voice, And you hear the anger. He snaps at Jim Gray. They've been friends for a long time. They've been doing these interviews together on and off, including in season, for a long time. What you're hearing is Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, confronting a nexus of two realities that he's never had to face before. One, we know this, he doesn't want to leave the sport. I'm not going to make judgments about his marriage, and I don't know, you don't know, the degree to which the end of his marriage did in fact correlate to his desire to play football and his ex-wife's desire to have him not do that. But that's certainly been addressed and talked about, and he's talked about it a little bit. Certainly, he wanted to keep playing, and there were things going on. Maybe that was its entirety, maybe not. And he chose football, in part or in whole. I don't know. But it was a it was a factor. He chose football over the pain. He chose football, if he chooses again, over what became the humiliation of that season with with, with the Buccaneers. And I think what you're going to hear from Brady... It is the reality, and I'm not making this up, D-Cell, when I laid in my bed in the middle of the night in my hotel in New York City and I had this weird Tom Brady dream, and all I could think about when I woke up in the middle of the night about quarterbacks is it's not even a Tom Brady era anymore. It is a Mahomes and Burroughs era, and whatever young quarterbacks have the guts and the will and, and, and the confidence and the talent to match those guys. And I think Tom Brady understands now, as he grapples with what comes next, that he's got his own paradox for the first time. He wants to play, and he's not good enough to do it. He's not a bad quarterback. He's a capable quarterback. He is, and God forgive me for saying these words out loud, but a poor man's version of Aaron Rodgers today. I think if you put him on the right team, you drop him with the Niners, you drop him with the Dolphins, he's going to be fine. He's going to be, in that context, a top-10 quarterback, but he's no longer the guy, because of his age, who's going to be able to will and carry a team The kind of greatness that has always defined his career. Tom Brady is frustrated because he wants to do something he loves, but he can't do it at the level that he used to. And that should be obvious in what we saw from him this season. It should be clear in his age. It should be clear in the young Turks who have supplanted him. But if you're still in doubt, and I understand because the, the afterglow of Brady's greatness, even from a couple years ago, is enough sometimes, I think, to blind you to what's going on. Let Bill Barcells remind you that people tell you who they are. Listen, and people tell you where they are if you listen. This is on SiriusXM's Let's Go podcast. Tom Brady not getting mad because Jim Gray asked the wrong question. Tom Brady getting mad because he doesn't have the answer he wants to the right question.
3: Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, You've said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to
1: do, I'd have already done it. Okay, I'm taking it a day at a time.
0: I sense you're antagonized by the question.
3: (laughs) You're scratching. It's only the question that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. (laughs) I appreciate
1: your asking. Thank you.
2: It's been the question for Tom Brady for five or six years. It's not the question that Tom Brady is frustrated by. It's not the scratching of Jim Gray. It's the gnawing at the back of Brady's mind that he knows the answer and for the first time the answer is the one that he's feared his whole career. I take no pleasure in that I I can't know and unless you're listening you happen to be one of the few professional athletes who listen to the show what's up Jim Jackson I can't know what it's like to have your life defined by excellence and success and your own willpower and your own greatness to compete at every level in some sport and keep winning. To the point where you get to the pinnacle of the mountain. And then in Brady's case, you're the best at that, not just in your era, but of all time. And then for that to go away because father time comes for everybody. I love doing radio. Love it. I'm not saying I'm good at it. Like I'm not saying I'm Tom Brady. You could call me um, a nicer version of Jay Color if you want to. I don't care. That's fine. But I can do this for a long time. If you write for a living and you love that, or you teach and that is your passion, or you, whatever you do you're going to be able to do it past your 30s or 40s if if you want to, if it's something you actually love. Tom Brady can and And so many great quarterbacks have gone by this wayside. Drew Brees has gone away because he had to, not because he wanted to. And Peyton Manning and everybody. And Brady, I don't know what deal he made with the, you know, whatever, with the universe, but his ability to play into his mid-40s is incredible. But a guy of his excellence – A guy who has refined his body to fight against time in the most brutal sport on the planet is going to have an absolutely acute understanding of where he is physically. And what you're hearing and what you saw in the sadness, I think, from Brady over the course of the season is this guy knows that he can't do it anymore. And not only that, and maybe this in some ways has shaped his ability to push through all these years. Brady, like all greats, like all greats, is such such a student of the game. And three or four years ago, I'm sure Tom Brady looked out at the quarterbacks, which define the game, that they do, and he thought, I can match all of these guys. Whatever I can't do physically, whatever this next young guy or this talented guy has in his arm or in his body, I can surpass and I can best with my knowledge and my ability under pressure. It's not true anymore. We're going to spend a lot of this week talking about Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. And I think, and this is something we'll dive into maybe more tomorrow, the way in which Joe Burrow has matched Mahomes almost in the thing that matters. And that is actually winning a Super Bowl. If the Bengals win the whole thing this year, Joe Burrow not only has as many rings as Aaron Rodgers, he has as many as Patrick Mahomes and has bested Mahomes twice, if it happens. May not. But we have an ankle that could be in the way for the Chiefs and this idea of Kansas City winning this game. Joe Burrow could be the guy that is the kryptonite to Patrick Mahomes. And the reason that conversation matters is those are the quarterbacks that define the era. Josh Allen, who's really talented, and I think the Bills' window is closed, and we discussed this yesterday, is still a very tall hurdle for Tom Brady to try to surpass. And Trevor Lawrence is is making a case. And all these other young quarterbacks now look at Burrow and look at Mahomes, and that's what you have to match and what you have to do. There is an up-and-coming rising tide of young quarterbacks that have something to aspire to and compete against that they can relate to. And that's Mahomes and Burrow. The field in front of Brady that he has to clear is just different now than it was when he was able to outlast in terms of years Peyton Manning. Obviously, Manning came into the league earlier. When he was able to beat Aaron Rodgers, which was really the one guy that maybe you looked at on an all-time greatness scale, and you would say, all right, maybe maybe because Rodgers is several years younger, he can he can push back. But we, we saw Brady go into that really formidable spot at Lambeau and, and win a few years ago on the way to the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has gotten washed. Drew Brees has retired. And so for so long, Brady was looking at his contemporaries and, and thinking, I'm still better than these guys. I can still best these guys. And he wakes up into a world where it's not just Mahomes. It's not just the anomaly of Patrick Mahomes. Now there's this Joe Burrow guy that is the real deal. And I'm going to say his name again, Trevor Lawrence, having shed the idiocy and incompetence of Urban Meyer and dysfunction, has reclaimed over the second half of the season and the second half of a football game a couple weeks ago, week and a half ago, his form. And and I'm not sure I buy Justin Herbert, but there's no reason not to maybe believe he can be that guy and go down the list. The reality is that the moment has passed Tom Brady by, and that's why he's angry and frustrated. I was going to come on here and talk to you about should he be a Dolphin or should he be a Niner? But the fact is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether Tom Brady comes back or not. He's not going to win another Super Bowl. The, the odds are highly unlikely. Because at the level you have to perform, in order to be great, you have to have it. And you have to know you have it. And Joe Burrow, again, and, and Mahomes, too, epitomizes not just the talent and the youth and all. There's a swagger and belief that we talk about all the time with Burrow. And then we talked about on the show when we did it in the evenings with Mahomes arrogance that that is likable and winning and wins his teammates over. And Tom Brady for the first time in his career doesn't have that confidence. He doesn't believe he's that guy. You saw it on the sideline, you saw it on the press conferences, you heard it with Jim Gray. And once you lose that belief, it's like Tiger. Once you don't think you're that guy, you're not. Doesn't matter what Tom Brady's actual answer is to Jim Gray or whoever gets to ask him when he's ready to answer. Tom Brady doesn't think he has that level anymore. Whether he comes back or he doesn't, he's not going to be the same quarterback because he knows it, and it's over. He's the greatest QB of all time, but the greats don't let go easily. The thing that made them great makes them sad often and broken at the end. And Tom Brady is struggling with that. And I understand why he snapped at Jim Gray, and Jim Gray asked the right question. I hope Brady comes to the right conclusion. If he wants to play football and be okay at it and be a little embarrassed compared to his greatest hits, some musical artists love that. Great. But if Tom Brady wants to play the game so he can be the Tom Brady that we know and we've celebrated, it's time to retire. That only lives now in the highlight reels. 855 212 cbs is the phone number. I'm so excited about d It's like a change week, man. You went out to lunch with us. I think I saw you smile at lunch, right?
3: I'm going to dispute that. I don't think I smiled.
2: I think you did. I think it was Andrew's joke, not mine. I was keeping
3: track. You're going to take your shirt off? You guys are really, really trying to get me out of my comfort zone.
2: I love it. I'm proud of you. I'm excited about it. Uh, Before we do that, though, I do want to get into uh, Bill O'Brien's back with the Patriots. I love this hire by Bill Belichick. And I'm going to tell you why my wife thinks that I'm a menace of a con artist next year on CBS Sports Radio.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All contraire. You can wear no shirt, which is one hour from now. Uh, Bill O'Brien, going back to New England, it just shows that relationships that are, that are lasting can last through anything. Like, take the three of us. Me, you, Bogish got lunch yesterday. It was, um, we did go to a restaurant far away. It was uh, three steps from the door of the, uh, you know, uh, outside our office. It just took a lot of teeth pulling to get
3: you to go, Tom. But I I haven't gone in that direction out of the building in maybe years. Did you have a good time? I did have a good time. Bogish and I really bonded,
2: and we bonded on the train. Bogish, did you have fun? I had a tremendous
4: amount of yeah. fun. Now i trying to figure out who's who in this. Patriots metaphor. You're obviously Bill Belichick.
2: Because I'm mean.
4: No, you're just in charge. So then Mm. who am I and who, more importantly, is D-Cell? Well, you're like –
2: you would be the guy that never left or or has been there for a while, but he keeps going through people. Who's the defensive – Matt Patricia. You're Matt Patricia. You're smart (sighs) and like – Sometimes you're edgy but we're bonding.
3: Matt Patricia is not well liked. I'm just throwing it I, out there. I
2: know, that's why I'm
4: like
3: Not a kind of New England resident.
2: No one's liked. that. a so in but in our little world, who's a popular patriot you could be? It's not Bobby Cakes, it's not no. Robert Kraft.
4: No, I, there was at one point like a, a it was it was not a coach. He was like a Belichick confidant. He was always there. He was like his consigliere. I think his name was Adams, something Adams. Okay. I want to be that guy cuz that's how tight you are. We are tight. It's fair. Run things off me. I'm always here for you. You call. I pick up.
2: We discuss. We are on the train, and it feels like, you know, the first time we met, that spark. It felt like the train was going slower than usual to give us more time (laughs) to talk. It was for the people having to listen to my loud voice talk to you about my life. I definitely got up and I go, I'm loud. All right, I wanted to set the table before we get to Bill O'Brien, a, a, a hire that I like. He returns as offensive coordinator of the Patriots because I'm hoping you guys are going to he- hear this in a way that 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 is sort of pro me, pro this guy, Bill Ryder, me, double thumbs to me. My wife, Lori, something happened to me on the flight out. I wasn't going to bring it up because of first world problem. And my wife, Lori, I told her, and she she goes, you're a con artist. She she accused me of being a con artist. So, you remember last week I went to a nice fancy dinner with my buddy, and the table fell apart on my lap, and I got half my bill taken off. You remember this. All right. Very well. Flying. Thank you, Delta Airlines. Flying on, on that airline, and I got upgraded to first class because I fly a lot, so that was nice, and I had the lay down seats and mm. fancy people up there. And there were at least three people who, who asked the flight attendant if they could make me go sit where I belonged. And with a grimace, they said, I think that gentleman actually is up here. And I was really tired. It's a long flight. And I, like, put my seat down to lay down, which is nice, right? First world problem, I know. And then I got up to use the bathroom. I came back, and the seat wouldn't go down. And it was stuck in a really awkward position, and it wasn't comfortable. So I called the flight attendant over, and they tried to fix it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. We tried for 20 minutes. Seat wouldn't. It was in this weird position. So they gave me a lot of miles. They're like, we, as our apology, we're going to give you a ton of miles. I'm like, oh, thanks. They gave me the miles. I swear I didn't do anything. I went about my business, got up, to, and then got up to the bathroom again. An hour later, came back, seat went down, went to sleep. <laughs> I, 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 my wife thinks I'm intentionally breaking things to get free things. You guys believe me, right? Yeah, I just think you're you're annoyingly lucky. Yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. The flight attendant guy who was re, was re, like, I woke up as the, and he, I definitely gave me a very curbier enthusiasm, judgy look,
3: like you liar
2: but
4: they tried to fix they it. They tried to fix it. Yeah. I mean, right. that's a serious thing because, right, your seat's got to be
2: the re- the correct position for right? landing.
4: So what would yeah. you have
2: done? I would have just been an a uncomfortable rebel without a, without a cause. Because at first I'm like, oh, my gosh, I get to fly first class and, and, and it's not going to be, right? Put, can I go back to my coach seat where the seat is at least upright? It was in a weird position.
3: I think there's a solution to all of this. This has to be a three-strike policy. First time you go out to dinner at a nice restaurant, half of the table falls on your lap. Okay, that's strike one. Strike two, you didn't do anything wrong. The seat will not recline or will not go back to the upright position. Not your fault. Not my fault. The next time you are out in public where something like this happens to you through no fault of your own, you are not allowed to say that something is broken or wrong. You just have to deal with it. Totally disagree with that. Really? Otherwise, you're going to get labeled. As your wife said, these are not my words. Yeah, that's true. As a con artist, I think the next time okay. something unfortunate happens to you in public, you have to keep your mouth shut. Counterpoint. Diesel's always wrong. It's Yeah, it's coming up
2: aces with the universe right now. And just ride the free. I love free stuff. Yeah, what, what, what are we doing here? Be quiet. Go about your business and accept what literally falls in your lap. I mean, I got a lot of miles, and I checked my, I'm like, I bet they didn't give, and I checked, they're in, they're in, the, they're in there. Got a little apology note? Yeah. All good, right. good for you. Okay. Um, speaking of the difficult questions of the universe, I, right, if a grocery store decides not to, to, to sell milk, right, it, they just make a decision, we're not going to sell milk anymore, and then they reverse course, I'm not sure you give the grocery store a whole lot of credit for that, Right. And I can just keep going with these, these comparisons. But if you're I I don't know, what's a similar, if you're an NFL organization and you think you're smarter than the game and you decide not to have an offensive coordinator and then it turns out you can't move the football because you know that's important and you go and you hire one. I think Bill O'Brien is an excellent hire. What he did at Penn State was incredibly impressive a long time ago, but, but I know you guys know this, but as a catch-up offensive coordinator of those Patriots teams, he worked his way up through Bill Belichick's staff. A decade or more ago, he was the offensive coordinator of that Patriots team that lost to the Giants in that second Super Bowl in Indianapolis. He went to Penn State when that was that 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 program was rubble from the horror and evil of the Sandusky paternal story. Turned the program around and then went to the Texans and and you know I think it was nine and seven a bunch made the playoffs was mediocre most most lately at Alabama as the offensive coordinator. I love the hire like I think it's a great hire. But are we really going to give the Patriots credit for doing something that they should have done a year ago? Anybody want to jump on this go New England ballot? Because I can't get there.
3: No, I can't get there. And I think the biggest reason that this happened is the meeting that they had between Bobby Cakes and Bill Belichick after the the regular season where Robert Kraft definitely won that argument, as I put up the air quotes, to hire a real OC. And Bill, like, I'm with you. It's a good hire. I can't really pat Bill Belichick on the back for it because I don't think this is what he wanted to do. But... But in bringing back a familiar face in Bill O'Brien, I know this is a tough question to answer since we're not going to ever get the real answer from the source. But why not just overpay to keep Josh McDaniels? Why not just overpay? Whatever the standard is to keep your offensive coordinator, why not just overpay to say, you know what, it's working. We have a young quarterback who flourished, who clearly took a step back this year without him. Why not just say, we'll do whatever we got to do to keep you here?
2: I mean, I— you're right. It's hard to speculate, but my guess would be bogus and, and Tom that it's not just the money, that he wanted to be a head coach. He wanted to prove that, what, Denver was an anomaly. And I don't think you can – money's not everything to people who have a lot of money. People who say that tend to have a lot of money, but Josh McDaniel's not – he's not hurting for cash. He's not canceling vacation this year with his – you know, I don't know, does he have a wife and kids? With his family because he's got money. And I, look, the thing that I I think is really interesting, interesting too, about this is you go back 10 years, and Nick Saban, his teams weren't exactly offensively bold and interesting and evolved, and Saban's ability, and this is in such contrast, I think, to to his friend Bill Belichick, Saban's ability to, to adjust to the game, to start bringing in really talented offensive coordinators, some of whom, Lane Kiffin's a great example, were... Not about damaged goods, but not easy to manage. And and to give a huge part of his success would be to delegate for Saban to these guys has made it a factory for really smart offensive minds. I mean, really good offensive minds keep coming out of the the Alabama offensive coordinator job. So I think there's a like if 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 O'Brien had been at anywhere else, I might have been a little worried. Man, what if the game passed him by? It's a different game calling reality than ten years ago. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be successful.
4: Yeah, except. Do we know what Mac Jones is like? Mac Jones is the ability to sabotage whatever Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick want to do here. If he can't, if they can't develop him the way he should be already now in
2: year three.
3: I, I mean, was that true his rookie year with Josh McDaniels? I think he was. He was on the right track.
2: Who is? I should know this. I don't remember. I'm sorry to put you guys in the spot. Who was the quarterback at Penn State that Bill O'Brien, in retrospect, developed so thoroughly? Am I remembering this right? That the guy, like, got drafted somewhere but wasn't very good. Probably Trace McSorley. I think that's right. Like, that was a Bill O'Brien creation.
3: Drafted by the Jets, no?
4: I only know him as a Cardinal. I don't know who drafted yeah, him.
2: Yeah, I think I think that. So I think, and, and you look back at Deshaun Watson and not to, you know, Deshaun Watson, but how much time did O'Brien get with Watson? I should know this, too. I can't remember. Crushing it with the info. Uh, two years sounds right. I, that's what I thought, too. And he didn't have over, I think he had an, like nine, and because he, he didn't start Watson that first year, and then I think in the first or second game, he started Watson, and Watson was so impressive. But it turns out, I think it's fair to say, Deshaun Watson is is has some baggage, clearly, and we don't need to get in that whole thing, I don't think the guy should be playing, but whatever. I'm not sure you hold against him his inability to win a bunch of games with Deshaun Watson in retrospect, who knows what it was to manage that guy as a guy. I think there's a lot of reason to think that maybe Bill O'Brien can develop Mac Jones into a competent-ish quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Bill O'Brien's
4: problems in Houston started or got magnified when we became the GM as well. He yeah. should have never had roster control. Yep. But as a coach, you know, there's certainly things. And I think just the bottom line is, credit or not, what they did this past season was almost an embarrassment. Yeah, it was an way, embarrassment. I mean, it was almost like a middle finger to some kind of establishment. I don't know what they were trying to do. So that they realized their mistake or were told it was a mistake and accepted that. At least they've got somebody and he's better than most other people they could have put in that spot.
2: And it's there's always motivation, but it's if if Bill O'Brien is successful with Mac Jones, right, in that offense after last year without Tom Brady, he's going to be a head coaching candidate pretty quickly, I think, again in the NFL. And so he's going to be highly motivated to to make it work. I mean, he might be he might be Bill Belichick's replacement. Isn't that crazy? I always liked him. And I, I tried to defend him for a long time in, in, in Houston, and that was not a smart bandwagon to be on. But a lot of times it's your mistakes that make you great at the things you can eventually be great at. Speaking of which, it's okay, Tom, that it took you a year to pay off the bet. Your ability to get there today is the sign of your excellence. Now, we're going to do it in an hour. Let's set some ground rules. And there's somebody in the, who's in the studio with you today? We got somebody training?
3: Uh, Colton is training with us
2: today. Colton's in for a real treat. Um... Andrew, are we, and Tom, I, I want you to, uh, let's, let's workshop this real quick. Mm. When you take your shirt off, what was the bet? I can't remember. what
3: Exactly. You... That's where I was going with this. If you can't remember what the bet was, the bet has expired. No, the bet doubles. It's called VIG. We don't even remember the what the bet was. Should we, Um,
2: are we doing a no camera policy or is it just a wide open world?
3: I mean, there's about 17 cameras in between the two studios here. They're not on. Yeah, you, you and I cannot take
4: pictures or video of D-Cell. This is okay. basically for our eyes only.
2: So when someone says, you ever notice when someone says this is a safe space, what they really mean is this isn't a safe space? Hmm. This is a safe space, Tom. How long is the shirt going off for an hour from now?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Am I doing it throughout buy or sell? Am I doing it prior to buy or sell?
4: Can I? You have the buy or sell script, right? I do. Yeah. Is there a usual short story ask question in there?
3: Uh yes, there is. Today. The
2: first one is two pages long.
4: Okay, so for I'm happy with you. Just you start the segment and you go through that first question plus the answer
2: with your shirt on. So I think can I make an? I agree. I think shirt is on when the segment starts, so that we can all hear the reaction. Yes. The gas. Then you take the shirt off. Then I will quickly throw to buy, and you have the button. If I don't throw to buy or sell, you can just push buy or sell, right? And get into it. And then after I'm done answering, and this looks like a question that will require a pretty long answer. But once I'm done answering, and Bogish has had his say, and you've had your say, Tommy and Colton, Bear, anybody else wants to call in? <laughs> <laughs> then your shirt
3: can go back. Uh, this no longer feels like a safe space.
2: It's very. It's, hey, at least we're not on a stream. It's a very safe, it's a very safe space. I, f-
4: I feel like the bet, by the way, stems from the last NC. Yeah, something tournament. to do with our
3: brackets. I think I jumped out to a hot start on both of you, and I was way ahead, and somehow I uh, came from ahead and lost. Yeah,
4: so I, I don't think it's a, a full year
2: of dodging this, but we're getting close to it. Somebody, if you're up for a really unpleasant afternoon, needs to ask Ack how long it took him to. Because there's something about me doing bets on the air that people won't pay. Ack had a bet where he had to buy me and James Ward and all of us Peter Lugers, and he wouldn't do it.
4: Sounds about right. And I
2: may or may not have shamed him repeatedly to the point where he called me and yelled at me, and I yelled back, and then he paid the bet. So I'm trying you may Which by the way, I
3: love how you needled him about it yesterday, asking him how Peter Luger's is <laughs> yesterday. I want- no, I just want to No, no. I-, I know what you did. I-,
2: I know what you did. Oh yeah. Well, I just want to know how the how the restaurant was.
3: I picked up on it. That's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got nowhere to hide on this one. I feel naked. I feel like I don't have my shirt on. All right. Fair 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 enough. So we, we all kind of like the Bill O'Brien decision even though it doesn't make up for the absolute – I just think it's arrogance. I think it's a an incre- – and the thing about not having an offensive coordinator last year is we have seen the Patriots' arrogance when it leaves that organization when, when Patricia goes to Detroit or, I mean, Pioli – hey, Scott um, – goes to uh, – yeah – Yeah, Tom. Scott former GM, failed there with the Kansas City Chiefs colleague of mine at CBS Sports HQ. Does he still work there? Am I going to see him in the green room? Anyway, when people leave New England, the the football fairy dust, the magic dissipates. This is the first time that we've seen that weird Patriots anger and and, and ego and bizarro behavior actually impact New England, right? Can you think of another time where – because if some coach had gone if Patricia had gone to Detroit and done this, like, oh yeah, there it's another Belichick disciple being a weird guy away from away from the, the tree of Patriots knowledge, this is the first time I can remember to, in, in Foxboro. I
4: am mean, not sure this is the same thing, but there's a pretty long list of guys that Belichick got rid of that went and play, played other places and played well he thought were done and true. wasn't. But
2: there's
3: he still some, won, right?
4: Right. There's some questionable personnel moves that might have that they could have won more theoretically, but it's true. From a coaching front off? No, I mean, the story's always been guys that go and they are terrible. It makes you think that they can only be good in New England.
2: There, I wonder I wonder what it is about post-Tom Brady. Because it's such an arrogant thing to do, to not have an offensive coordinator, to think that you're that smart. Especially when you're a defensively-minded guy when you came up. And your right-hand guy, you know, your Andrew Bogish, is also a defensive Minded guy and Matt Patricia. I mean, Patricia, I think, is a really good coordinator, a good defensive coordinator. He's a bright guy. He was a bad head coach. Just the the sheer arrogance of it. There's clearly no one talking to Bill Belichick, honestly, and saying someone in that office has to say, hey, man, put your shirt on, if you will, D-Cell, you know? I mean, the emperor has no shirt on, you know what I'm saying?
3: Uh, I'm picking up what you're putting uh-huh. down, yeah.
2: Peter, we should go to Peter Luger's sometime. We should ask Ack for, like, correct, you know. Have you guys been to Peter Luger's? I have, yes. I, well, I thought it was excellent. Bogus? You, you Luger's That's the one guy? in Brooklyn, right? It's the one the New York Times just destroyed in a review a couple years ago. Uh,
4: I have not been to Peter Luger's. It's a, it's, it's a cool experience. Right. Maybe we'll do that next time I come to town. Okay. Diesel's already
3: out. I'm in for it. What do you mean I'm out? I went yesterday. You were in for Peter Luger's? Yeah. It's the
2: other direction from your house. Ooh, I didn't know that. All right, mm-hmm. got it.
3: Ah, geography. Um,
2: The Lakers are going to win the NBA championship this year, and they're not going to lose another game because they got uh, Ruby Hachimura. No, they're not. Hoopier than you. What is happening? All right, so to all the Lakers fans on my timeline, we did it. Cool. I want you to enjoy the next few minutes because reality is coming here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update.
1: You're listening to the
2: Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. What's going on? Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. It's decent. I'm being serious, man. It's nice to be doing the show with you in person. It's nice to be hanging out. I've been saying
3: that for the last two days. I love having you here in studio. I do, too. Do you want to get a drink tonight? Do you want to like go out and get a little beer? A little. That's, a, a, that's I, a great offer. I had a lot of fun at lunch yesterday, yeah. but
2: I, I'm, I'm not free tonight. Okay, because I, I found a spot. It's gonna sound weird. Banana old fashioned.
3: That sounds enticing. It though. was
2: really good. You're a big old fashioned guy. I huh? am. I like I like the bourbon and the rye. Yeah. And it's it was a it was like a pretty cool place. Like it was a normalish place. Food was like well priced and normal people, but the but it was like a fancy little cocktail scene too. And and so normally that kind of play I definitely felt judged when I ordered it
3: by the waitress. You can't feel judged for ordering it if it's there on the cocktail menu. First time I ever covered spring training.
2: Many, many moons ago, Tom. I know where that expression comes from. Literally many moons ago. I was a Kansas City Star reporter. I went to Surprise, Arizona to cover the Royals for, I don't know, three weeks. And a guy named Bob Dutton, legendary baseball writer, was the president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Don't worry about the time. We're going to make it work. We went out to, and he was like a, you know, a gruff, great guy, but like gruff baseball writer. Didn't take a... And he ordered a beer, and I ordered a huge mango margarita that came with sugar on a giant rim. And it came, and he's like, drink early enough for you? I'm like, it tastes great. <laughs> and he gave me a really hard time, and there were players there, and they were, I think they gave me a hard time, right? It was, And he was, all right. All right, Susan, which is not appropriate, by the way. I don't think he said that. Whatever, might have. And then I ordered another one, and that's when I won Bob Dutton over. He's like, you know what? You're a weirdo, but I, I respect the confidence. Banana old-fashioned. That's my story. Let's do, uh, you know what? Let's do a basketball off of that, right? From obey your thirst to don't get your hopes up, Lakers fans. Bill Ryder has the NBA takes you need to hear. This is Basket Bill. Everything that surrounds LeBron James, going back to my time covering him in Miami, is amplified in the extreme And that includes the Lakers' decision to trade for Rui Hachimura, who's a fine player. He's a good player. He's a solid basketball player. He will offer them some depth and some length and occasionally some scoring. Kind of guy that can go off for 33 one night, but then score three points the next. But this isn't a game changer. And the notion that the Lakers have made some remarkable move is absolutely and completely false. Here's the reality. LeBron James wants his organization to trade their 2027 and or 2029 first round draft picks because he rightfully doesn't give a you-know-what about those years. He wants to win now. And here's what I think the Lakers brass know. Even if the Lakers brass, as represented by Rob Palenka, aren't, checks notes, very good at their job. They put this team together. Here's what they realize. They're not going to win. They're not going to win an NBA championship this year. There's not enough out there that you can go get even if they traded those picks for Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, plus Rui Hachimura, they're not going to be good enough. I know the West is incredibly wide open. I recognize 5 through 12 or 13 are bunched together. It's true the Suns are completely washed, and the Warriors, I don't think they are, but look very vulnerable, and Denver doesn't play defense, and the Sacramento Kings have been amazing, but no one really is afraid of the Kings. The Lakers aren't the answer. They aren't it, and they're not going to make an NBA Finals this year. Hachimura doesn't change that. It is a... Band-Aid on a bigger wound. It is an attempt to give LeBron what he wants, even though you can't give him what he wants. I don't hate the trade. It's not a big deal. He's a nice piece. Maybe the Lakers make the play-in now or win a play-in game or have the honor of getting destroyed by somebody in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe, because Rui's here. But the real moves take place in the offseason when they have to decide what they can get for and if they want to move Anthony Davis. How you rebuild and how you transition from a LeBron James-led present that's still promising but not capable of winning titles, its you're not, to a future without him. They did not handle that well when the Kobe Bryant situation was exactly the same, and that's going to be the task. Rui Hachimura is a nice player and a distraction from the real task at hand, and that is trying to traverse the reality that LeBron is still amazing, but he is not capable, especially with this roster that, by the way, he put together. Had a GM the other day just outright tell me everybody knows LeBron makes every decision. It's so frustrating, this GM said, for all of us out there that are trying to pull off trades to hear him complain. Why doesn't he just come out and say what he wants when he's doing it behind the scenes? He did it behind the scenes. He put the team together. It's not good enough, and Rui ain't going to change that. And that was Bess, Kid Bill. Every year... When the, when, the, when the nominations come out for the Academy Awards, Tom, I think I suck at watching movies. I haven't seen most of these. All right? I've seen everything, everywhere, all at once. I watched on a plane. Have you seen this movie? It's, ama- it's actually amazing.
3: You know I haven't seen probably
2: any of these movies. It's based on alternate universes, actually.
3: There's no way you haven't seen that movie. It's so good. I love
2: it. Haven't seen The Fablemans. Kind of want to see Tar, but haven't seen Tar. I saw Top Gun Maverick. They always throw in some blockbuster. It's a great movie. Never heard of Triangle of Sadness. Sounds sad. Never heard of Women Talking. Sounds like my house, which is wonderful. Never seen... Why what? I got a lot of ladies in the house talking.
3: (laughs) Now you can't go home.
2: No, in a good way. Why is
3: that bad? (laughs) You better stay here for a while. You
2: are putting words. All Quiet on the Western Front. I read the book. It's depressing. I saw Avatar The Way of Water. It's really good. It's not Best Picture. I, the Banshees of In- In- Inisherin. I don't know how to say it. I, I do kind of want to see that. I like that director. Elvis looks super stupid. And I'm an Elvis fan. I went to Graceland. By the way, I went to Graceland and, and I cried.
3: That tracks. I buy that. It was incredibly overwhelming. Now, why does the movie look stupid, though? Was, have you seen the trailer seven times? Like, I have. It looks dumb. No, I'm not a trailer guy I like you tra- are.
2: Oh, man. I love trailers. Sometimes I'll just go back and watch old trailers. Like I'll watch The Lord of the Rings, you know, the Two Towers trailer just because I'm on a train. Maybe it happened this morning. I'm bored.
3: It's I love trailers. I gotta be honest. I don't get it. Oh I man. I just don't get it.
2: All right. Atomic Blonde, Charlie's Throne, maybe five years ago trailer. Incredible. Did, did you the, see the movie? Yeah, it's great, really good. But the trailer, I always knew this business would get me killed, but not today. And then there's 80s music in the background. To be fair, I've seen trailers for half of these how I many is that 10 movies and i've seen three of them and two of them i went with my kids i mean top gun and avatar are not winning best picture so let's just slow down with that if i would you watch one of these tonight would you like go home and watch one would you watch the fable can you even get the fablemans
3: yeah i wouldn't even know how to go about that yeah
2: i don't know i'm in sag after i think technically i'm supposed to be able to get Did that award those awards happen yet
3: uh, I don't believe so, but I am not, so I don't think I can watch these.
2: My son really wants, so they're supposed to vote for these awards? My son wants to use my, wants to vote. Can I let my 10-year-old vote for the SAG afterwards?
3: Why not? I think there might be some reasons. I think it's a good idea.
2: He'll probably vote for Top Gun. You loved that movie. It was really good. You've seen Top Gun, right? The new one?
3: Uh, Sure. You haven't seen it? No. When that one came out, I went back and watched the original.
2: Paramount Plus, though. You're a Paramount Plus guy? I do have Paramount Plus. It's free on there, I think. All right,
3: get on there.
2: He has his shirt off a lot too, and it's giving you a lot of confidence. Guys like eighty. Joe Theismann's the man. Very excited to have him break down some quarterback talk with us next year on CBS Sports Radio.